as the world outside seems to be getting darker, colder and more oppressive with each day. It is more important than ever to connect to the truth of who you are, the light within, so that you can shine that through you, from you, out to those around you. Midday mindfulness is being created specifically to deliver you all the information that you will ever require in order to inspire and empower yourself to become the source of your own inspiration and with it your own liberation. In this weekly podcast, Kane Stromberg and all of his amazing guests bring to you the very secrets to reality, how to go about actually becoming an energy master and with it mastering life itself. Consciousness expansion is the name of my game and so you will know my name is Kane. Welcome to Midday Mindfulness. In this weekly podcast, we share with you the very secrets to reality and how to go about actually creating the life of your dreams in all ways. Only through the upliftment and liberation of yourself can you then deliver this information to everybody else so that together, now, we can create a world of true equality. For all. I welcome you to the family, to the tribe, to the club and look forward to connecting with you on a deeper level very soon. Greetings, infinite blessings and welcome to another episode of Midday Mindfulness. Today being the Christmas special, the gift that keeps on giving, the gift of meditation. And in a moment, I'm going to be introducing a very, very special guest, Muz Murray. We have been connected for a number of years now. We actually did a, a group project together a while ago. He is a meditation teacher, a guru in all rights. And today we're going to discuss meditation and the, the benefits to it, what meditation actually brings you in a in a one-on-one -on -one personal perception, as well as that of the collective, being able to actually experience something as one with other people. A group meditation is a very, very powerful way to actually go about connecting with the people around you. Allow me a moment and I will introduce Muzz. And here we go. Here is Muzz Murray. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Very good. Very, very good. It's good to see your face. Good to hear your voice. It's been a while. Yeah. You keeping well then? Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm totally isolated anyway. I hardly go out of my room. <laughs> Not much difference then. No. So we've um, got a few questions to go through really because today is the meditation special so it's the christmas special and it's all about the gift of meditation the gift which keeps on giving meditation for myself was the main element or aspect which changed my entire life changed the way i viewed the world and as a result the world itself because it all is a perception and a viewpoint so i'd love to know 
or introduce yourself first of all and allow the listeners to know more about you and your background what it is you've you've experienced so far in life and a little bit about your upbringing right well uh i first came into this um phantasmagoria of a three-dimensional holographic <laughs> dream in the middle of World War II uh, on the 15th of March 1940. And at two years old, I vividly remember watching in wonder and terror from my bedroom window, the German bombers blitzing Coventry to bits just over a few fields away from where we lived. Mm-hmm. And I the searchlights crisscrossing the sky, the, uh, the wailing sirens, uh, the flames engulfing the city um, are vividly still in my memory. And this wasn't the kind of world I wanted to be in. Of course. Wherever I'd come from, I thought must have been nicer than this. <laughs> anyway, so I, I grew up in the weary grey streets of post-war Coventry and I went to a school staffed by tyrannous and hysterical misfits, mistakenly called teachers. Mm-hmm. The real young teachers had been all sent off to the war for, for cannon fodder. Um, my dad was a clerk in the coal board, and he doubled as an entertainment agent in the evening. And he was also a fine tenor singing in many Masonic dinners and working men's clubs. Nice. Uh, my mother ran a grocery shop, but in the evenings she doubled as a producer for plays for the Women's Institute. So theatre was already sort of in my blood. Uh, but neither of my parents had any interest in spirituality at all. Interesting. Although they sent me to Sunday school uh, under the impression that um, it would give me a religious education. But my, my education was the reverse of what they expected. I had a, a penetrating insight uh, about people, even at the age of seven or eight. And I was acutely aware that these Christian good bodies were loading a sickly sweet version of Jesus on us kids just to make themselves feel good and to increase their flock. Mm -hmm. I saw right through the attitude of evangelism then and there, and I was so nauseated, I walked out and I vowed never to go into a church again. How old did you walk out? well, from from eight years old, really? <laughs> um, and oh, and I never went back for the next ten years. I was anti God, anti Christ, anti religion, or religiosity. Yeah, all through my teenage, and I proudly considered myself a, a professional atheist. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realise atheism was as much a uh, a religion as uh any other type of religion so almost a label yeah so my about face was was all the more remarkable for that reason um 
Well, I went to a normal secondary school till the age of 13 when I won an exam for entry into art college Mm -hmm. where I studied fine arts for the next three years, finally gaining a reputation as a surrealist painter and a local newsworthy eccentric celebrity. (laughs) I also developed skills after I left art college as a scenic artist and designer in the theatre and I worked part-time as an actor in shows around the country. Beautiful. Amazing. What sort of plays were you performing in? Uh, when, uh, when, you um, left, when you left school and co- education? Uh, I left at uh, 16 or 17 and then for the next two or three years I, I did um, uh, theatre work both on stage and, behind, and backstage. Nice. And would you say that that gave you a, a foundation to build from in your public speaking that you now do? Um, no, not no. really. No, I was very shy. Um, I, I even hated to answer the phone because I, I didn't know what to say to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't in the world. You know, I, I felt a bit like an alien, because I, I wasn't interested in, in what the other kids were interested in. I didn't give a toss about football or cricket or cars or anything like that. And so, I think many people listening now will resonate with that. I do myself. I always felt that I was different because I didn't have a similar desire to experience things that other children did. Yeah, um, I, I call them the real people because I thought <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't there at all, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I resonate very deeply there and with religion as well and the understanding that it was used almost as a way of hiding behind a, a white sheet all of the darkness that was also being yeah. openly experienced in within that section of society, as it were. Um, and I too went very, very against the word God and religion until coming back to the realization that. Well, I, I couldn't even use the word God for phew, at least 20 years. <laughs> same, same. It, it was, it took me a very long time to be able to use it in a positive, in a neutral way, even to then get to a, an expression of positivity with the word God, because I can now use God without any negative attachment to it through having done the work that I've done as I'm sure you have yourself yes well I couldn't until I experienced what I felt was God (laughs) yes yes God within as opposed to outside sat on a fluffy cloud looking down at us and condemning us for having thoughts or acting in certain ways yeah so when did you when did meditation enter into your your life as a as a practice or even an awareness? When was the first time you meditated? Um, Well, it was in my early 20s, but I didn't come to meditation uh, in the ordinary way. Um, uh, I have a complete revision of my conscious awareness by the unexpected experience of something called cosmic consciousness. Mm -hmm. 
while I was on a hitchhiking trip around the world. Nice. I, I just spent a year in Israel working on a kibbutz, then on a ship, then drilling for copper in King Solomon's mines in the desert, doing artwork for the National Theatre, training elephants in the zoo in Tel Aviv, and finally singing in a nightclub in Akko. <laughs> what an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had all kinds of jobs on this trip. Uh, then another nightclub owner invited me to sing in his club for twice the money, so, which, of course, I accepted. Yeah. But the first club owner was so annoyed that he told the police that I was over my permit, which I was, mm. and I would be arrested. So I had to get out of Israel quickly. So I bought a boat ticket on a boat to Cyprus in the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, before I was about to embark, somebody stole my duffel bag with all my money in it, except for about seven and a half pounds that I had in my pocket. Um, landing in Cyprus, I had no idea what to do or where I could go with so little money. I wanted to make my way to India, but there was no way I could get to India with that amount. Mm -hmm. So there I am, out of luck, out of funds, at the crossroads in my life with no idea what to do. And one evening, I'm sitting on a bollard on the quayside when something extraordinary happened to me, which completely changed the course of my life. I was gazing out to sea, the sun had just gone down, when a strange prickling occurred on the back of my neck, which crept up over my head and felt like a ghostly hand pressing an etheric brain on top of mine. And my sensation of being a body evaporated and my consciousness seemed to spread outwards in every direction across the sea across the land and out into space. And I became aware of things happening all over the universe. But not only that, I was everything happening in the universe. Ooh. And I was being given knowledge too quickly to comprehend. But somehow I knew it was being recorded in my cellular system wherever my body was. I had no notion of it at the time. And over the years since, things unknowable by ordinary means came to pass, confirming my intuitions, even things that quantum scientists are just coming to understand now, well over 50 years later. Amazing. I, I had no idea what happened to me, but it instilled a quiet joy within me. And for the first time, I felt a stability in the core of my being, where before I was like a leaf on the wind. But I still had no idea where to go. And I reckoned that the nearest place that I might get some work was in Kenya, because it was a British colony at the time. Mm -hmm. but that was well over 3,000 miles away, halfway down Africa. The, the idea was completely insane. But 
I was only able to afford a boat ticket uh, to Alexandria in Egypt as the first leg of an impossible journey. And somehow I got to Cairo, put myself in a tiny hotel with no idea how to pay for it. And I went hungry for several days before I managed to wangle a job uh, in the Cairo TV as art director, having previously worked at the BBC. Amazing. And while I was there, in my time off, I ransacked the British Library to read up every spiritual book I could find um, to try and understand what happened to me. And finally, I came across a book called Cosmic Consciousness by Dr. Maurice Buck, a Canadian psychologist and a friend of the poet Walt Whitman. And he explained exactly what had happened to me and to many others all down the centuries whose experience had changed their lives. Well, finally, my intellect was satisfied, which had been totally bypassed by the experience. The intellect cannot experience anything it only comes to conclusions afterwards or before, but it's not knowledge. It's, um, uh, what can I? Information. Uh, yes, information, exactly. Uh, so I worked at the T Egyptian TV for five months until I'd earned enough to travel on. So I bought a ticket on a boat down the Suez Canal to Sudan. But on the day I left, the same recurrence happened. The manager stole all my savings from the wardrobe, denying it, of course, but he had the only key to the room. So again, I had a 3,000-mile <laughs> journey to travel with only a few pounds <laughs> in my pocket. And over the months I hitchhiked down Africa, the experience of that uh, awakening gradually caused my body to reject blood foods like meat, mm -hmm. fish, and eggs. And I stopped smoking immediately and threw my pipe and tobacco into the River Nile. And I gradually weaned away from alcohol as well. Um, anyway, my adventures all down Africa were were like something out of a Ryder Haggard movie novel. You'll um, really? have to wait for my autobiography for that. It's going to be entitled Memoirs of a Maverick Mystic. Beautiful. Are you writing that now? Is there no... Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm up to the age of 13 at the moment. Um, with some notes on, on some of the things that happened all the way down Africa. Amazing. Anyway, by the time I got to South Africa... I'd come to the conclusion that meditation should be my next step. But I thought I ought to be in India for this. But according to the old adage, when the pupil is ready, the master appears. Mm -hmm. So it was for me. A Sikh master, Maharaj Charan Singh, from the Radhaswami community in Bayas in India, had just arrived in the country. And he was initiating people into the practice of Shabda Yoga meditation, providing that they had abstained from meat, fish, eggs, alcohol, and tobacco for at least three months. 
and I had just completed them. <laughs> so I timings. 16 people in the country to receive the inf- initiation and permission to teach it. Mm. And um, so I, I, I did teach it for some years. Uh, the practice entailed using mantra and mudra, a certain placement of the fingers on the face, mm-hmm. uh, in order to awaken the internal sound current in consciousness by meditating from 1 in the morning until 30 a.m. And I managed that for several months, which made it rather difficult to keep awake in the daytime when I was designing costumes and scenery for spectacular musicals in the Johannesburg theatres. And I also acted in comedy roles for some of the shows, and I had a bit part in the film. What an adventure. Anyway, finally... I went back to the UK and having no longer any interest in a career, I began a spiritual community and magazine called Gandalf's Garden in Chelsea, London, where I invited gurus from all over the world and also began to share my insights with the spiritual seekers that gathered in the evening in the cellar shrine room of the premises we rented. So just for a moment, how did you go about actually communicating and connecting with all of these like-minded souls to bring together and create that beautiful network, that beautiful community? Because it's something that a lot of people would love to do, but don't know even where they would think about beginning. How did you go about connecting all of those people? Um, Well, I was living in Notting Hill Gate at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, the big kind of flower power centre, if you like. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I went round putting up notices, uh, asking people if they would like to um, start, be part of a, a new um, spiritual magazine. Um, and I'd gone around all the underground press uh, asking if they would like a, a spiritual column, mm-hmm. but um, they weren't interested. So I thought nobody's going to do it if it wasn't me. And I used to go to love-ins and uh, meetings in Hyde Park, um, where people, the hippies, began to be attracted to me and um, poured out their problems. And so my bed sits in Notting Hill Gate every night was full of hippies um, (laughs) uh, sorting out their problems. And I said, why doesn't somebody write a magazine that gives some direction? And then I realized nobody would do it unless I did. So that's how I began uh, Gandalf's Garden. I I got uh, a group of people together. Um, I got five core members who stayed with me for three years. And... um, we started the magazine and the shop and the spiritual meetings downstairs where I began my teaching. This is absolutely amazing, Mos. I've I never knew the depth of adventures you've had. Up in where you were only up to a certain point in your experience of life so far. And it's a multitude of adventures that are outside of a lot of people's understanding 
of potential in the modern day world everything is so closed down and so so straight lined that to be able to even travel around and backpack is something outside of most people's awareness of when i was working at the bbc every morning going on the tube and all these lemmings packed into the tube looking absolutely miserable (laughs) i thought i can't spend a whole life from nine till five doing this Mm-hmm. I've got to get out and understand the world and myself. Thank you for doing so, because you are now allowing other people to see this potential and inspiring uh, countless people, inspiring me. You're an inspiration, truly. So it's a beautiful, beautiful adventure, this life, and you've been making it that to the full. It's phenomenal, phenomenal. Thank you. Go. So, sorry, please go on. So, you basically started teachings through being taught yourself and then being allowed to pass the teachings on, having reached a certain level of awareness and having already experienced that beautiful connection to, to the universe itself through the cosmic consciousness. And as you were speaking about that, that the kind of trickling feeling was running down my back and it was, it was beautiful to hear because it is a, remembrance it allows me to remember that period of time when i was experiencing that state of being do you having entered into cosmic consciousness and feeling that sense of calmness within is that something that you are within every day or do you step away from it from time to time sorry i missed that being very level having connected to the cosmic consciousness and then saying that it no longer felt that you were a wind blowing in the a leaf blowing in the wind but that you were grounded and stable has that stayed with you forevermore since that since that first experience uh basically yes it it, it did fluctuate quite a lot uh, over the years with all mm-hmm. kinds of uh, events and emotions um but the stable core was always there beautiful Beautiful. Amazing. So in your experiences all the way from really that moment of conscious awareness or even before up until now, who has been your biggest influence and person of inspiration really? Um, I think Rupert Bear was my first mentor. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Because all all the magical adventures he had, which stimulated my imagination. Um, But although Maharaj Charam Singh gave me my first temporal initiation, I had a greater rapport with one of my major mentors, Dr. Ramurti Mishra, who was a medical uh, practitioner, a brain surgeon, and a mantra yogi and with whom I learned the practice of mantra meditation. So I learned from someone qualified in ancient yoga practice and the most up-to-date knowledge of brain function. Amazing. However, during my three years as a wandering sadhu or mendicant monk in India, studying with many famous uh, an infamous masters. I was most attuned to Sri Goenka, who was a Burmese businessman and a teacher of Vipassana meditation. 
and also Kumar Swami of Dawa, who was the last of the Shiva Lingayat tradition, uh, teaching a meditative focus on an indigo stone. And I was fortunate to spend time with three realized beings, like Amanda Ma, Muragana, the Sanskrit poet, and Anamalai Swami, a devotee of Ramana Maharshi. But my greatest influence has always been Bhagavan Ramana Maharshi. Ever since I saw his photo in a bookshop window in Johannesburg, South Africa, I've been longing to find someone who understood my cosmic initiation and who'd experienced something similar. And when I saw his picture, I said, I stopped, I said, he knows, he knows. And you so, knew that just through the picture? Yes. I, I, many times I have um, looked at a picture and known something uh, about the person. And yep. the first time I saw a picture of the Beatles on a record cover, I said, um, George is going to be the mystic of this group. And so it proved. Um, energy frozen in time. An image of, because uh, everything being energy, it's an expression of that energetic vibration that is sealed in time within a picture and as you said having all of that information connected to you on a cellular level it will surface as and when you require it so you can look at a picture and you can connect to that person at that time because time and space is anyway i went in the shop and i bought arthur osborne's book the teachings of ramana maharshi and sure enough the way bhagavan spoke confirmed what I had understood in my awakening. Amazing. So he's been in my heart ever since. Um, little did I imagine that seven years later, I would be the co-editor of his ashrams magazine, The Mountain Path, together with Arthur Osborne's wife, Lucy. Beautiful. Beautiful. So you... After looking at the picture of him, knowing that he knew what you knew and having that feeling of connection and almost feeling that you could resonate and be fully yourself with, with him because he got you at a very core level, you actually then went on. Did you meet him in person? No, unfortunately, he left his body in 1950 when I was only 10 years old. Ah, uh, okay. But... Um, after living for six months in Raman Ashramam, mm -hmm. the day I left on the bus, I turned round to look one look at the mountain of Arunachala. And as I turned back, again, the hairs stood up on my neck and my arms, and it felt like Ramana's etheric body came into mine and my my mouth went into his famous smile. And ever since then, over the years, sometimes people have seen my face changing into Ramana Maharshi's face. Um, I, I don't know what it means, but I'm very happy about it. 
It's beautiful that you've, you're fully open and acceptant of him being able to come and visit you and actually energetically connect to you. And that takes a very deep level of trust within yourself and the other person that you're allowing to enter the other energetic blueprint or imprint that is whoever it is. It's, it's trust on a very, very deep and cellular level, which allows you to almost experience his experiences. That's phenomenal. That's beautiful absolutely beautiful amazing so would you say that that is one of the most enlightening experiences that you've had or most interesting experiences um well of course the, the cosmic conscious experience for a start was the the major one yep um and then i practiced several meditation techniques hoping for a permanent awakening but they never led to the state of enlightenment that I was hoping for. So I developed my own practice that I call the carpet pulling technique, which consisted of rigorously refusing to accept any thought which came up in my head. I'd pull out the mental carpet from underneath it, um, as it were, saying, oh, that's nonsense, shut up keep quiet, none of my business, and such like. And I kept that up for three months, constantly, until one morning I woke up with my head as clear as a bell. No thoughts, no movement of mind. It's very hard to explain, but I could no longer feel my usual mental pressure. I saw clearly as if without a head. And I was totally there in everything. There was no longer any veil uh, in between me and the environment or the distance, as, as there usually is when the mind creates distinctions. Mm -hmm. um, the very fact of thinking, being in our heads, tends to cut us off from the world and from others. Yes. But without a mind to encase me in my body, I realized there is no such thing as a mind. There is only a mental flow that comes and goes. And without it, I found that I was no longer body bound and the self was everywhere. So my sense of being extended through the cage of my body through the walls of the house and out into infinity. And what I realized myself to be interpenetrated everything I saw, which was confirmatory echo of my cosmic conscious state. There was no need to think about it. I was it. And yet it felt right and far more normal than my usual mind-bound condition. Yes. And I found it wondrously amusing to sense my body located in the center of an endless, endless continuum of me-ness. I was like a diver moving about in a calm and lucid ocean of myself. And I walked about chuckling in awe for many days, like a marionette on strings being operated by the omnipresence. And there was no, no difficulty in relating to people 
when visitors came, I could carry on conversations mm-hmm. uh, in a regular manner, but without formulating any responses in my so-called mind. My, my answers came spontaneously, and I listened as interestedly to my replies as to theirs, being fascinated by the process of watching words coming out of this place where the center of this vague impression of my body appeared to be. And if no unbidden response arose, I just remained silent, simply resting in pristine awareness. And uh, I remained in this state for more than three weeks, which much later Dr. Mishra explained to me was known among yogis as Sampragnata Samadhi. It's the state of Samadhi in which the flow of mind reposes in the self, but the world is still seen and the distinction between knowledge and the things that are known is not let yost. Mm-hmm. Um, so this condition might have lasted much longer, but during the third week, I became involved in the details of selling my cottage. And as I was doing my own conveyancing, I was obliged to study books of law to make up the deeds. Mm-hmm. You started um, to mind. Now, this is head-breaking, tarted the best. <laughs> um, several days, I felt the, the return of mind flow like a yep. balloon on a string being slowly wound back on a spindle into my head. Yep. And uh, soon I, I returned to a semblance of normality. But, but that encouraged me all the more to work towards being in that place permanently. So I practiced various meditations for many years uh, until I found a way in which meditation is no longer a necessary necessity for me. And that's what I am very, very interested in hearing, what it is you do now as opposed to meditation in a, in a daily practice, because there is an understanding of knowing that once we know that we are in that place, we no longer need to practice the techniques which took us there because we were already there. So you don't need to do it because you're already where you were desiring to be, as it were. So what is it you do now as a daily practice that has replaced meditation? Um, uh, well, you did want me to uh, explain some of the practices that I've done I, I do, yes, please. Um, you, you did mention that there were several different techniques and then the, the one that you got to that you designed yourself being the carpet pulling technique, yes. um, exiting oh, the mind. And interestingly, I was, yeah, just last night actually, received some information and I myself, I'm in the same position where it's working with other people, answering a question for somebody else, the information comes through me and I thank them for the opportunity to experience that information myself because it's not mine. I don't know where the information comes from. I know that it helps people and it helps me. It helps everybody involved. And it's a beautiful, beautiful experience to be that channel, that conduit. So after, was it, you went through several techniques before you developed your own being the carpet pulling and, or did you continue to, to dip your toe into different areas after that? Yeah, well, I began, of course, with Shabda Yoga meditation, mm-hmm. which uh, I described as a practice for awakening the 
eternal sound current or the pranava in consciousness. I've seen a video with you. There is a video on YouTube still of you practicing that? Yes, yes. I, I show the, the practice. Uh, and I, w- I would love to, I will include all the links to everything at the end and I'd love to just for a moment, um, or we'll do it in a little bit where I, I will share everything so that people watching on video will be able to see all of your links and where to find you. I've also got a chapter in my, my book, Sharing the Quest, explaining the whole thing about how to do it as well. Beautiful. Um, anyway, I, I, I faithfully practiced that for about 12 years while it, um, while it led to deep, entering into deep spaces. It didn't take me where I wanted to go. And or nor to where the gurus said it would. Never listen to the hype of gurus. If you're always expecting something <laughs> to happen, like Son and Lumiere Spectaculars, you're not meditating. There, there's no Beautiful. looking forward in meditation. Meditation is being with what is. Yes. Right? No wants, no desire, no mind. Because if you are minding it, if you are being mindful of what you desire to experience, then you are being caught up in the mind and therefore you will not be exiting the mind. It's beautiful. Then there was Vipassana meditation or see clearly meditation, which is not something to undertake lightly. It's very intense. It's intended to eliminate the mental flow and create psychological balance. And a starter course of that is for 10 days meditating for 10 hours a day, no distractions, not even reading a book at the end of the day. And although I was already a practitioner of mantra meditation, the Pasana nearly killed me. I wanted to escape over the wall by the fifth day. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what they say. Uh, well, I, I, one afternoon on the rooftop of the Buddhist Vihara, Buddhist Vihara or monastery, mm-hmm. we were shirtless and being bitten by mosquitoes that we were expecting not to flinch, not to react or move or slap them. Yep. If you can make it, you feel like <laughs> Superman afterwards. Um, and then there was also Shiva Lingayat meditation has been practiced at least since the 12th century, which consists of staring at a spot of light on the surface of an indigo stone in the palm of your hand in a darkened room with only the light of a candle behind you. And the focusing brings the energy of both hemispheres of the brain together and activates the pineal gland, which in turn enhances psychic powers. I did develop psychic experiences for some years, but I found that practice concentrated too much energy in the frontal lobes of the brain, made me top heavy. And when I discovered that the true place for meditation focus was the heart chakra, the heaviness went away. Mm. But it was... Mm. Would you, sorry, sorry to interrupt. The, the color being purple, would you say that potentially that resonates with the third eye or the crown chakra, which is why it was more top heavy because you were bringing so much energy into that place? And like you say, 
with being top heavy energetically, it would then almost feel physically that you were top heavy and that you're walking around with a with too much weight being up there. Yes, it, it's like like if you're an intellectual, you're the frontal hemispheres, the, the, the lobes up the front there mm-hmm. is where the majority of thinking goes on. Um, intellectuals are top heavy like that. And when, when you're doing too much head work, yes. then that, that feels like a load of lead in your brain. Amazing. But, um, anyway, it was the mantra meditation that I studied with Dr. Mishra that I found to be most beneficial and the most practical for Westerners. Uh, I picked up many other mantric teachings during my, my years in India. And as I always tend to do, I synthesized everything that I'd absorbed and created my own style of mantra chanting experience, which is more in the dynamic tantric style, uh, which really helps my students enter into a samadhi-like state. Because most forms of meditation tend to cultivate a kind of schizophrenic conversation between one part of the brain talking to the other part of the brain, saying, did I feed the cat? Um, have I got enough for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> be quiet, you. Be um, quiet. We're supposed to be um, meditating. I wonder if I left the gas on. <laughs> and yeah. all things like that. Uh, on the other side saying, shut up, I'm trying to meditate. Yeah. Um, but with the intensity of, of the mantra work, the second that you stop, suddenly there is no more mind flow or brainwave occurring. You've moved from beta into alpha, and the consciousness is very tranquil. That's the equivalent of the Buddhist no mind, and the perfect way to understand how the state of enlightenment feels. Hmm. So that, I find, is the quickest way for Westerners to get into a deep state of meditation. So when you say beta into alpha, you're referring to the brainwave frequency, which allows us, just so the listeners are, that are unaware can gain a little bit more insight, it allows us to enter into a more receptive and, like you say, conscious awareness state of being as opposed to thinking and doing, being human, being the ego. It connects us to the cosmic I am as opposed to the egoic I am more so. Is that, is that what you would classify it as? Yes, that, that would be perfectly correct. Beautiful. And just to highlight and explain a little bit more about samadhi, entering into that samadhi-like state, what would you put into, what words would you use to describe it to the listeners, what it is to experience that beautiful state of being? Um, (laughs) When you're in a samadhi state, (laughs) you're not there to be able to describe it. And once you're out of it, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to explain because it's a state of being and you can't really explain a state there you of go. being. Um, uh, that, Maz, thank you, because that is, that's beautiful. To, to, there are no words. 
there are no words because the the language the english language maybe there's an ancient language which would actually be able to describe it and put it into words but the modern day language has been developed in a way that it hides things from us or there are no words to express and explain the experience that we are able to have when we enter into that state of being yeah, uh, amazing very true um thank you well, I, to come back to your earlier question um what i'm doing instead of meditating mm -hmm. um it's a bit amusing of a question because once the old spiritual conundrum who am i has been answered <laughs> there is nothing else to do um nothing other than regarding the dream of existence unfolding yes from the position of the consciousness that is perceiving it. From that perspective, there's no longer any individual seeker and therefore no necessity for enlightenment. There is just living whatever is manifesting at every moment without relating it to a me. Beautiful. Really take those words, everyone listening to this, because that is the truth to your journey towards enlightenment, that you are already there. And every time you are seeking to get to a position, you are taking yourself further away from it. Yeah. Every moment of now is an experience that you are having connected to the, the multiverse of experiences that we are all having together. And being able to enter into that state of being is to know that there is nothing to mind. I don't mind. Why don't you mind? Because it's perfect as it is. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, well, having become dissatisfied with, with most forms of meditation, and having got nowhere with pondering the question for who am I for many years, mm -hmm. gradually dawned on me that the very notion of thinking as oneself as I was a stumbling block that was preventing realization. As the sages say, while you consider yourself as a separate individual, you will never awaken to the reality. So what I did was remove the concept of I from my thinking processes. I stopped referring every thought to an I or a me. And I stepped back into the consciousness that was perceiving the thoughts. And I realized that is what I am. Of course, I have to use the I in conversation. Mm -hmm. I no longer refer to it within myself. And that brings about an incredible sense of uh, mental freedom. Uh, and because I, I, I want to help everyone experience the same freedom of being, uh, that's why I wrote my latest book, You Are the Light, Secrets of the Sages Made Simple, in which I explain the steps towards emancipation, the mindset you need, or rather the lack of mindset, as well as clarifying many spiritual misapprehensions and that's the result of half a century 
of inner and outer research. Hmm. One, one reviewer calls it um, enlightenment at fast speed. Well, I hope she's right, and it will answer um, that and many of the quest, final questions that uh, those uh, on the spiritual quest are looking for. Cosmic consciousness coming to you at light speed. It's beautiful. Absolutely amazing. And it is, it's, I myself, you've taught me a lot. And the, the instant rapport that I felt towards you was because of the, the garden of the mind terminology and the way that I was showing it myself, that what we focus upon, we grow. And that what you focus your light of attention on within your mind, you grow within your mind. And then you actually keep it housed within the mind. Whereas if we separate from ourself and take that alternate perspective in every situation, then we realize that there's actually nothing to be to mind about. There is no stress to be experienced because there's nothing personally to attach to because it's not really me. I'm experiencing this conscious physical structure of self but I'm also experiencing what you're experiencing. Therefore, the, all the experiences together are perfectly balanced and perfect as they are. And there's no need to try to escape or defy anything because we're only just trying to escape and defy reality as it is. It's absolutely, yeah, there are, there are no words. And I know that myself. When I get to that point where I'm like, uh, 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 because there's no words to actually express the experiences that we are able to to actually come about to a realization of when we separate from I, because I, one of my favorite little riffs is I am you as you are me. We are all that was or ever shall be universal energy, dancing rhythmically, playfully and majestically in this beautiful experience that we call life. And even scientifically, they cannot deny that this is right because it is on a scientific level is the same as on a spiritual level. And I love the fact that science is now catching up with the information that you yourself have experienced as well as many gurus throughout time, as well as Jesus Christ and countless other beings that have experienced that state of consciousness. I am the father, our one. Yes. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so let me now, as we go through the pages, I'd love to let everybody know where they can connect with you because you are somebody that is is a fountain of knowledge and wisdom because as you said before information is information but actualized it then becomes knowledge wisdom and then when we can experience and embody that wisdom on a cellular level and pass it through it is easily then absorbed because again you explain things in a beautiful way using symbology and using pictures using metaphors that people can understand which is a storyteller you are a storyteller modern day storyteller and that is the most beautiful way to deliver this information to people so first of all let me share the website can you now see the the page um wait a minute i've lost i've lost the picture oh yes right there we are so this is your website yes and what, what is it that's housed on here if you have a little walk through? Um, so there's a, about Muzz with your biography, life sketch, interviews, radio interview. Yes, and uh, I think shop. Um, shop. Uh, where you can, 
You are the light there, is And there's the page. Um, you are the light. We are the light. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's about 50 or 60 five-star reviews for his book, so it, it must be pretty good. Blew my mind. This book blew my mind, and I am grateful, truly grateful. Maz Murray is a truth-realized being with a real gift for making the most complex spiritual notions understandable. And that's what it's all about. It's condensing the wonders of the universe into an easy-to-understand and utilizable way so that you can deliver it to other people. So that is the book. It is on all all platforms on, on Amazon, as I also found Sharing the Quest on Amazon, um, another book of yours. Yes. And, and that in, incorporates the beautiful heart center in that meditative pose, bringing it all back to, back to the center, back to the truth that love is always the answer. Whatever the question, it, it's returned back to love. There is obviously your YouTube channel. where you are still still delivering videos, I believe. Um, yes, I, I put my latest videos on my Muz Murray's Inner Garden page on Facebook. And okay. then I put them later onto, onto um, YouTube. Which is, yeah, it's beautiful. And here is your Facebook looking very festive here we'll, we'll use this image for the um for today's for today's podcast christmas so today will be the christmas special and it will also be included in the um, youtube series which is going to be the 12 days of christmas with the meditation being the gift that keeps on giving so it is a beautiful beautiful topic and situation and it's again allowing for people to listen to it through the podcast the podcast will be aired boxing day and it will then allow for people to also watch the visuals and also gain access to all this beautiful imagery and and knowledge through that context as well amazing let me just figure out how to stop sharing the screen is there anywhere else that people can connect with you what's the most easy way to actually contact you um well just uh Gero Gandalf at gmail.com perfect and is that found on well if somebody went to facebook and sent you a message would you be able to reply to to their messages on facebook yes, of course. if they just use the messenger yeah um, column and send me a message there i respond usually in the, in the same day beautiful and do you have any online um, workshops or anything coming up soon that people can... Uh, yes, on the 4th of December. Um, uh, I do a monthly um, readings from You Are The Light mm-hmm. uh, and, and one hour of mantra chanting with my group of 20 years or 30 years, some of them. Um, they won't let me get away with not doing... Some kind of mantra <laughs> workshop. Um, so they need the monthly mantra fix, you know. 
and uh, yep. so 11.30 till 1 o'clock on Friday the 4th of December um, is the, this month's um, session. Amazing. And you can click, so you, if you go to the website and go on the Mantra Workshops, you can then click on the click here to subscribe button, which will take you through to enter your email address and be able to receive all of that beautiful information. Just put my, um, uh, well, your, uh, this, this, this video is going to come after this date. So, um, but uh, if they're interested for January, then um, they can just send me their, their, their name on, um, yes. on Messenger and I'll incorporate it into the next program. January, perfect. Entering into the new year and actually dedicating that time to the self to be able to connect back to the truth of who we are as opposed to that which society is trying to guide us into believing. The reason for, for recording it today is because there's a lot taking place. And as you know yourself, globally, there is very interesting happenings that are taking place energetically. And I've been led to believe or told from multiple sources that actually during the Christmas period, there's going to be quite a lot of power outages um, as I want for a better word that there's going to be there's the 21st of December there's supposed to be something big happening and it's all to do with entering into darkness whether it be darkness actually within the the structure of the world whether society comes into darkness whether all technology ceases to to be for a period of time or whether it's just that we enter into that within ourselves to to look inside and find the light within the dark um is that is yet to be experienced, but it's, it's interesting to know that there is something big happening. And for myself, it's all about the preparation and continuing to lay the foundations to then build forwards from. So thank you, Mas. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for this opportunity and for this connection. It is a true honor and privilege to have you on the show and to, to get to know more about you because you have been, we've we've connected in the past we've collaborated in the past and you've always been there in my thoughts a, a beautiful beautiful soul and a massive inspiration to to countless people and are you long may you continue to do what you're doing and shining your light bright truly brother thank you i, I appreciate the opportunity to express things um without having to have uh an interview where they want snap judgments and snap responses where I can uh, explain more deeply about what I'm about. So yes. thank you for, for this opportunity. No, thank you. I, it's all about the depth. Without, without depth and meaning, without any real foundation to it all for me, there's no real point in it. It's all about, and that again, that's where we are adapting myself coming to a more modern context, delivering information in a more modern day way to then be absorbed by more people. But it's keeping the authentic perspective alive. It's delivering, as you say yourself, that, that beautiful wisdom of the universe in a way that people can understand. And that is where your gifts are. And uh, as well as many other qualities that you possess that you are able to express so thank you thank you for for stepping up and for being you and for continuing to inspire countless people around the globe most truly 
Thank you, brother. There we go. The man, the legend, Muzz Murray. Make sure you go over, have a look at all of his content, have a look at his Facebook, his YouTube channel, and purchase some of his books. He's written a multitude of books. I know he's also got some online interviews and series. He's a very, very, very in-depthly connected soul who has a fountain of wisdom and, and information at his disposal. And he's able to deliver that information simply because he has accepted who he is, as I have myself. Only through acceptance of who we are, accepting the characters that we have been cast, can we then go about experiencing and performing likewise in a way which is mutually beneficial to everybody. When we try to be a certain way for our parents or our peers or our friends or our quite often partners in life, we separate ourselves further and further from the truth of who we are. By coming back to the center, by coming back to love, as I was speaking with Muzz only previously about love, and he's saying love being the answer, coming back to the heart, coming back to the center of it all, not being too top heavy, not being too bottom heavy. And I myself experienced that beautiful state of enlightenment and enrichment of the soul that he was explaining, that he was able to, to continue to experience for three weeks. I was about three days because I was so caught up in the mind. I minded it all. And then as soon as I experienced that beautiful state of enlightenment, and then I was consciously aware of it and I minded it, it then separated me from it. And then through trying to develop and experience it again, through trying to get back to that state of being, I only further and further separate myself from it. And it's the full acceptance. It is the knowledge that you are already there. There's nothing to be done. There is no battles to be won. It's just the beautiful experience and dance that we call life. So thank you all for continuing to support the movement, to support the channel. If you have not yet done so, head over to the Cosmic Surfer YouTube channel, as well as the Mainstream Meditation YouTube channel. I'll put links to all of the channels, as well as the website where you can purchase or even take some of our free online courses, as well as all the links to Muzz's information, all his pages, and a series of step-by-step informational procedures and demonstrations for each meditative practice that Muzz mentioned throughout the interview. There's never been a better time to choose you. There's never been a better time to invest in yourself. There has never been a better time to actually look within as opposed to looking outside for the answers that you seek. The love of your life is you. The answer to all of your questions is love. Therefore, you are the answer to all of your questions. It all starts and ends with you. Thank you for everything you do. And make sure, as I say, you go over to the YouTube channels as today's episode is going to be housed within the 12 days of Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas my true love gave to me. My true love being me once again. So you're giving it to yourself. You're giving yourself the opportunity. You're creating the time and space to be able to actually receive the information. First five days are on the mainstream meditation channel and it's a step-by-step process of meditation, how to meditate, how to actually create space. The practices involve walking meditations, walking away stresses, guilt removal, and a grounding 
meditation as in in order to let go in order to accept who you are in completion in order to accept everything that's taken place and remove all elements or factors of guilt is like taking away the heaviness that you're carrying with you then you can go forwards and create the life of your dreams and then the next seven days to finish off the 12 days are housed on the cosmic surfer youtube channel and they are how to love yourself it's a series of videos about how to love yourself with the one that is prior to today's episode being I am, which we are interestingly talking about. I am you as you are me. We are all that was or ever shall be. Universal energy is dancing rhythmically, playfully, and majestically in this beautiful game we call life. And even scientifically, they cannot have done this right. Brap. Rapping now, you know. Yo, blood. So the next episode after today being a unconditional love guided meditation. Therefore, there is going to be five and five videos which are created specifically for the series, the guided meditation at the end of the Cosmic Surfer installment to bring the 12th day, the most beautiful gift that we can give through meditation being that unconditional love with episode number 11 being in today's interview with Muzz, the gift of meditation, the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you. I trust that you've had a beautiful Christmas and that you're enjoying today being Boxing Day, being the day that this is aired. It is interesting recording episodes before they are aired. And it's interesting actually recording an episode, which is, I believe this is episode number 12 in the series so far that we have created. Number 12, with the actual episodes prior to it not being recorded yet. I've recorded number 12. 10 but i haven't recorded number 11 yet because it is as it is it falls as it falls and long may it fall as it falls as it is all perfect as it is it would not be everything is perfect it is our desire for a different version or a different type different style different perspective of that perfection which then creates that internal struggle and turmoil Remember to stay mindful, mindful of the thoughts you are experiencing, knowing that they are just being experienced, that they are not you. You are not having the thoughts. You are just the experiencer of the thoughts. And as I said, by being able to separate our attachment or desire to experience anything other than we are, by not minding, there is nothing that is negative as we don't mind. Do you want to do something tomorrow? Do you want to go for a walk now? I don't mind. I'm impartial. I'd enjoy it if I went or if I didn't. I don't really mind. Don't mind life. Don't mind the stress. And it was a beautiful download I received last night where it's the concepts, the expression, I don't mind. Instead of minding, stop minding. Escape stress by not minding about the stressful or the previously stressful conditions and experiences in life. Every time you mind, you create stress, you create an attachment to it. And as Mars said, when we were speaking between ourselves, it's like you attach, you grab onto a car and that car runs you down the road. It causes you suffering. If you let go of the car, if you let go of the attachment to the thought or the, the, the expression or experience or whatever it is, then there's no minding. There's no being dragged along with it. A mind, when we come about minding too much, causing stress, it causes de-stress in the body. De-stress is when we are in a expression or an experience of being bombarded by that stress. Distress causes with it dis-ease in the body. 
when we're not in a state of ease, we are out of ease. We are in a state of dis-ease. We're dis-ease, right? Easy to understand, yeah? Dis-ease is what disease is. Disease in the body is all created by dis-ease in the body, which is all created through stress. Whenever you become stressful or something, it's like opening up or actually weakening the structure of protection or stability. And therefore, we are then bombarded by all sorts of ailments that wish to experience their experience in this event that we call life as well. Something is good and bad only because we perceive it to be. The virus, the infection is just going about being a virus and infection. A person who has wronged you in the past played the character in your game perfectly that they were meant to play. It's up to you whether you took the learnings or not or whether you are still carrying around with you that event, being negatively affected by it, playing the victim. It's your choice as always. Make sure that you listen to next week's episode because it is going to be all about actually creating the most optimal and educated version of yourself. Being a new year, it's time to become you 2.0. We've left the year 2020 and we're entering 2021 within the next week's episode we would have done anyway. And in 2021, it is the year of change. This has been the year where everything's come to a slow, everyone's grounding more, everyone's spending more time outside and actually reflecting on the worldview of old. 2021, the 21st, is going to be a very interesting date. Hmm. Look for the numbers, look for the guidance. Continue to look outside yourself as well as inside. Continue to give space to yourself and everybody else. If somebody acts in a way which is less than the way that you would want them to act, accept that they are who they are, that they have their own programs and responses to certain situations, and that they're doing the best they can to develop some form of happiness within themselves. Thank you for everything you do. Make sure you click all the links below. Check out all the all the platforms that we are creating, myself and Muzz and everybody else that's continuing to connect to the tribe, the movement and expand and grow that beautiful, beautiful foundation for the world that we are building from today, the world of tomorrow, now. Now and forever, we are in this together. United we stand and together, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, together we rise. Love, light and infinite blessings. And until the next episode of Midday Mindfulness, stay mindful, stay joyful, stay happy, stay free. I love you as I love me, as I love we. Peace out. Namaste.